Hello. Hey. Let's let's shoot that shit. Let's line it up. Get our crossbows or whatever we're using. Blast it. All right. Yeah. A railgun, Death Star beam, <laughs> various sci-fi implements, laser eyes. That's a good one. Classic. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's do some some therapy here, some regression therapy or whatever it is where you're just like reflecting on your upbringing. Mm, All right. Okay. Okay. What is it about our upbringing that had us? Because uh, I don't know. Maybe you don't have these sorts of feelings, but when your partner <laughs> is like cleaning and doing stuff, and uh-huh. then you're sitting kind of idly, or you're like, oh, I'm gonna play a game or whatever. And to me, this, like, when I'm in that situation, I get stressed and, like, have to join in. But I kind of yep. resent it a little. Yep. Uh, Mom and Dad did that to us. That That's what happened. So they would be like, <laughs> you guys need to join in. What are you doing being lazy? I don't... Um, It was more that, like, Dad would do that. Like, he'd be like, well, if I'm working, everybody's working. Like, that mm, kind of thing. Okay. Um... And then I, I think also, like, mom did so much that I always just felt bad. And I was like, I probably should do some more. <laughs> okay. Because I, I did that today, and I was like, this is not fair. Like, I was not badgered at all. Ed no, was no, just I do the same thing. her shit and really helping out. And I was like, oh, I better do something. And I was kind of pouty about it. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, no one did anything to me. I was just sitting there like, oh, I can't enjoy what I'm doing because Abby's working on this. I was just wondering, surely we had some sort of a root cause to this <laughs> that I wasn't uh, realizing. <laughs> yeah, no, I do the same thing, but like, I'm still so lazy that I won't help. I'll just ask one million times, like, are you sure it's okay? And <laughs> still don't get up to help because I'm terrible. So. All right. So I just was wondering about that. Not really has a connection <laughs> to what we're, the various things we're talking about, but I just... So work ethic yeah you know it has to do maybe with like if we start the commune how to help out kind of the lazies uh mm-hmm. what sort of experiences they may have we're had the lazies up. well we are the lazies yeah <laughs> i absolutely am i'm terrible well that's sort of a meme isn't it um that oh all these anarchists all these communists you know they want to start the commune but everyone wants to be like the propaganda person or the artist person Mm -hmm. but no one wants to do the hard work you know yeah yeah and that's the only thing i take comfort in is like well if it is hard work i'll only have to do it for like four hours a day and then i can go chill that's true the rest of it i mean if we're being serious about it right the rest of it is just piling up money for people to you know just to be siphoned off into various schemes that evaporate overnight apparently yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And we're going to bail it out. Don't even worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, that's have, So have you been reading about that? I have been reading the tweets about it. So no. Uh, well, what is it? What's the what's the Twitter commentary about such things? Or what, what are people saying there? I try to avoid that. Like the plague. <laughs> so this is my from this is my third hand account of what I think is happening. Live okay. from Twitter. Uh <laughs> I think it's that uh, the government's going to bail out a bunch of VCs and banks. Uh, what are VCs? Uh, venture capitalists. No, oh, okay, okay. Dis- disgusting tech bros. Um, and 
Yeah. And this is often being compared to like, hey, remember that student debt we never got forgiven? And like, you know, it's very easy to forgive banks, but not like real fucking people. Um, that's the general consensus that I see in my my neck of the Twitter woods. That is a very fair point to bring <laughs> up, I think. Uh, and it's something people should be mad about the whole. Yeah. You know, not just in this instance, but I mean, regular ass bankruptcy. You don't even have to get into into bailouts or whatever, but just normal, oh, we're a company, we fucked up, and so mm-hmm. we're going into bankruptcy. You can get so much shit forgiven, wiped out, whatever, and you start restructuring. I mean, you know, it's not the best thing to go through, but mm-hmm. it's reversible versus literally in the law, student debts and shit are more ironclad, more locked into, more unavoidable. You can never get those wiped out. Specifically targeted in the law, like, <laughs> no, sorry, my fucker, you're straddled with that forever. Like that, that's that's yours. Medical debt too, right? Or did you already say that? Uh, medical debt, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's in the, that's in the same. I think that's one. I want to say I like read something about that a long time ago. Yeah. Well, the, I don't know. That one's interesting too because then you'll also hear people. Say, oh, yeah, I got on the phone with collections, told them I could pay 10% of it, and that was good. Like, it's also mm-hmm. one of those rackets where you're like, well, where did the other part of it, what was, you were just going <laughs> to take that from me? Like, Just for fun? Like, that wasn't necessary in some way? Yeah. it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching The Sopranos right now. This feels like a fucking vig. Like, something is up. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're all being busted out. Uh, Absolutely. Davies Catino style. <laughs> There, we're we're the shitty sporting goods. All of yeah. all of you listeners, we're the shitty sporting goods stores that are getting just completely ran through by the mafia. And the mafia's yeah, the yeah, absolutely, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, my uh, god! No, student loans and and medical debt in in some ways, it's it's irreversible versus what we're seeing these guys do right. It's just waltz they just away. They do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> they just go crazy. play with money. So, yeah, I've been reading about this, too, but in purportedly more reputable outlets <laughs> like, you know, the New York Times or AP or oh, God. Wall Street Journal, whatever. These guys, you know, more like the New York Crimes. Oh, ho, ho. and the AP stands for all P. Associated all Peckers. <laughs> oh, OK. There we go. <laughs> I, I don't know. Our shitty nickname him sleeve a little bit to be designed uh, all right first so, draft so this is i guess by thursday maybe we'll see where the smoke clears on all this stuff <laughs> the wreckage of the economy yeah right now they're saying i mean it's gonna be fine and i would say this too it's sort of like when the ship is sinking how you're like hey stay calm everything's <laughs> fine, under control right? calmly make your way to the lifeboats so it could be that, or it could be genuinely it's okay. We don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out later. Uh, I tend to think that it's probably going to be okay. So probably Thursday's going to be fine. From my understanding of things, your summary was basically correct. <laughs> uh, that the government has stepped in. And some people are saying kind of critically, like, maybe they stepped in too much. You know, maybe they did, did too much too soon or whatever. But they're stepping in to help, you know, and they're saying like, oh, the this was silicon valley bank stupid name first of all like <laughs> it just it sounds like a scam 
It sounds very generic. Uh, They stepped in and said, okay, yeah, none of your uh, deposits, that's all protected even above and beyond the actual, because you know, I mean, there's like insurance for regular people. All you listeners out there probably, unless you are our weird millionaire listener, (laughs) but even you, I mean, most people have their assets so spread out if you're very rich that. It wouldn't affect you, but like if it's, it's insured up to $250,000 for an individual up to half a million dollars for a couple bank deposits, there's like money sitting in the bank, right? That's insured. Okay. So if someone robs the bank, your money is not gone. Yeah. Or if the bank fails, Mm, yeah. or if, you know, like they're talking about in these cases, uh, a run on the banks where everyone says, oh shit, the banks, let me get my money out, you know, uh, which itself I think should, should sort of lay bare the weird psychological underpinnings of the (laughs) economy that it all depends on people believing that it's real. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) some real emperor's new clothes shit. Yeah. uh, Regular people are insured, but like the thing I think here was that 90 something percent of the money that they had in their banks was above that limit. Because they're okay, very so rich. all super rich people. Yeah, venture capitalist firms, uh, all these debased uh, <laughs> sort of enterprises that apparently it was pretty recently that they got flooded with all this money and they just basically didn't know what to do with it. So they bought a lot of uh, government bonds. That seems weird. Does, do people do that anymore? banks do somewhat. And I think, uh, I think the reason they did it at that time is very boring economic stuff for most normal people, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, why they did it at that time was interest, interest rates were super, super, super low. That's like right before we start to have all the big inflation and everything interest rates for a long time had been basically nothing. They were actually talking about different ways that treasury could do weird nerd economic shit (laughs) to have an effective negative interest rate basically buying or so I don't remember which particular thing. they were doing magic they were doing some magic back there pulling some levers yeah <laughs> pressing some buttons necromancy to try to get this to work but anyway that means that when interest rates are that low for some reason this is a good idea to buy government bonds so that's what they were doing but then when interest rates went way up like recently because they were trying to control inflation they were trying to like make it cool down the economy is how they like to put it, which means uh, make more people out of work, make the Mm -hmm. labor market uh, worse so that people will take jobs for less pay, uh, do economic warfare, class warfare, but against us, the working class people. Make eggs super expensive. Hash browns are now up to $3 each at McDonald's. Holy shit, really? $3 for a hash brown. Damn. That's... I saw this on Twitter. I have not checked my local McDonald's, but that was what I saw today on the internet. I was good this, uh, the, the, not this, this week. Cause I was out of town, but like the week before I was pretty good and didn't actually get any fast food breakfast before. Oh, work, you are so. usually the fast food breakfast guy. Yeah. So I, I was a little out of the loop on this. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. Let me check. Let me check the local. <laughs> Maybe that was some New York prices or something. Hold on, hold on. I gotta rate my last Uber Eats order. It was great. Uh, <laughs> hey, internet, I need you to fucking work. 
Dave and Dan, shout out. I know, they're really just throttling me. They're fucking outside playing World of Warcraft on like the highest possible resolution on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> In their defense, <laughs> it looks beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Azeroth has never looked better. They're in the middle of a raid. I think I got that All one right. right. I'm I'm not a World of Warcraft. Person. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I can't load Uber Eats, so we'll just have to trust the internet, which is always a good idea. Yeah, def- I mean, it's a hundred percent true. If anything, eggs are super expensive. Milk, like everything, is expensive right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's I mean that's intentional. As a class, there's no backroom conspiracy. It's just intentional as a class, as a government, as a state that's working for that class. Like that's what they're doing. Anyway, when this happens, the bank is, like any bank, uh, doing a confidence game, a shell game, where you deposit your money, and then they take that money and go play with it and make millions for themselves. Play the slot machines. Yeah, they, they go play the slots with your money, and then <laughs> if you happen to come back, they should have enough money sitting around to give you, it's fractional reserve banking, they, they give you money. Uh, the problem is, when the interest rates go up like that, and people are trying to get their money back. They, they don't have enough shit to like give them because <laughs> they yeah. bought all these shitty ones and they can't sell those off because the interest rate's different and they'll just have to take a loss. They'll end up with less money than they had before because like the, the numbers don't work. <laughs> the condition has changed and they didn't realize that the conditions would ever change. It's just like when stock markets crash Everyone's all of a sudden sitting around saying, but I thought the value was always going to go up. They had no, I couldn't conceive of a world where the value would do where things would change and be bad. <laughs> yeah. I saw a little graphic today that was talking about like, you know, the, the rise and fall of these things and particularly around, uh, laws around banks and it was showing like, okay, a bank law is enacted. And then 10 years later, it's, you know, cut and, we have a crisis and like it was like five examples of that and now like five years ago is when i think trump lifted the what is it the dobbs something there were particular restrictions it's probably dodd frank dodd that's it yeah yeah that had banking restrictions and stuff placed after the great recession after the crisis of 2008 dodd frank set up a lot of banking regulations and Trump's thing didn't roll back the whole thing, but carved out a lot of exemptions for small regional banks, which is what's going under now. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, why are we surprised? Like this is any sane society would look at this and be like, well, this is, this is the symptom. This is the problem Yeah. for the vast majority of people. But the thing is we don't look at the symptoms we only look at the care about the symptoms of very, very rich people. Right. And it's ridiculous because we do this. We realize there's problems and stuff. We don't necessarily do anything about it, but like casinos and gambling problems and stuff where people like ruin their lives or, or yeah. commit suicide or whatever it is, you know, they get into very bad things about that. And we realize it. And we're, I mean, the only thing we do is like put a gambling hotline on there or set certain restrictions. That's about it. But everyone realizes this is sort of a vice and really should not be the basis of everything we do. But, I mean, <laughs> we sort but of allow the banking is. system to do that. The crazy thing, I think, about that exemption for the small banks or whatever is that that was this is not something novel. It's not like, well, but we've never had something happen with the small banks before. <laughs> this uh, is brand new. This is multiple times in history going back to the after Andrew Jackson's presidency. <laughs> 
fuck. Okay. Uh, Andrew Jackson famously got rid of the the National Bank of the United States because he thought it was bullshit. I thought you were going to say indigenous people. He did that too, or tried to. <laughs> that's not like funny. Like, haha, No, funny. that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he also <laughs> tried to do that. I uh, just love shitting on him. He's, he's the worst. Yeah, he's hands down a terrible president. Uh, but he got rid of that central bank sort of mechanism that we had and used all the money that Congress was allocating to that and said, hey, let me give it to all these state level banks and stuff, all these local mom and pop sort of. And they just like lent that out like crazy. Of course, soon, blam, they've written too much banknotes to, to, to actually cash in on and everything crashes. And his poor vice president, now President Martin Van Buren, is left holding the bag saying, <laughs> oh, shit, what happened? You know, not my oh. fault. But everyone was like, hey, asshole, you know, <laughs> Reagan. Uh, the savings and loan crisis. This same thing happened where you had all these savings and loans, like credit. They, they were banks, but they were small regional banks, just like this. They also completely unregulated, basically, because they didn't have to do all the FDIC, all that stuff. In the 80s, boom, they go under. Uh, and then everyone's standing around like, whoa, what happened? And so, of <laughs> course, when you come back around to bank regulations, you're going to set something up for them. You know, and say we have to we have to regulate those. But then people forget, and then <laughs> here we are. Very sensible country. Yeah, totally normal. It's fine. Let's all take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're saying they're going to bail it out, uh, or they, they. I mean, they, they're kind of stepping in, and people are saying, "Oh, if they do that, isn't this just going to encourage uh, other banks, big or small?" Yes. To say, what's the worst that could happen? Like, <laughs> why shouldn't we be very risky? If if we cause everything to implode, we're going to be fine. You've never seen one of these guys sleeping under a bridge. Nope. You've certainly never seen one of these guys in jail. Absolutely not. So what's the risk personally? What's even the risk, like, system-wide? The government's going to come in, make up money, mm-hmm. and say, here you go, blank check. What's the problem? Why not do it? It is a really sick system. Just like when you look at the amount of debased, just <laughs> fuckery happening to your everyday American. It's just like, okay, cool. We're going to like not, you know, yeah, I understand everything's expensive right now. Rent's skyrocketing. Your pay is, like, not rising. Oh, college is really expensive, so you can't get a better job. So, whatever. Uh, also, we're going to bail out these other guys. Oh, you don't have health care? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, we're going to build a giant cop city in, in what is it, Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, that way, in case you do actually get mad enough to fight back, we are going to kill you, brutally murder you. Yeah. We'll uh, anything the- I'm forgetting? <laughs> Ukraine. Also climate change. <laughs> uh, we haven't we have enough money for that. <laughs> yes, yes. We're gonna go do a war over here real quick. Uh don't pay attention to the weird weather that's happening. I'm sure that's gonna go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's wild what a capitalist government has as its priorities. Yeah, yeah. It's just completely not in the interest of the vast majority of people, and it's just fucking sickening. I want to share kind of a counter story to that, or maybe like a, I think it's a bizarre world sort of situation through the looking glass sort of thing. 
but it's very telling how our news media covers it. Oh, yeah. Give me. Story in the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Talking about China's approach to its banking sector and financial sector. (laughs) Okay. Now, we've just said the brave U.S. government has stepped in to make sure that investors are going to be, you know, made whole. And I think there's sort of an argument to be made in their favor that, like, yeah, we don't like it. It's bailing out people that aren't us. But generally, it's maybe going to keep at bay a larger you know economic it, crisis yeah you know you can say yeah. okay maybe that you know fine and that's kind of yeah. how i think the coverage is sort of spin spun is like yeah it's a little icky but hey <laughs> it'll be good. fine you know and 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 yeah rest assured very smart people are doing very smart things to protect you <laughs> right exactly now here's the flip side of what china's doing they certainly don't spin it as very smart people are doing very smart things now, let me tell you, the thing about China on Twitter right now is, have you seen that horrifying fetish image going around? No. I have not. <laughs> okay, great. I don't know. Don't look you... it up. <laughs> what? Uh, Jordan Peterson accidentally retweeted a, an image from like a fetish account thinking it was like some sort of Chinese torture account. Oh. <laughs> and it was like, no, this is like, this is somebody's thing. Classic. <laughs> oh. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> Friend of the show, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Open invite anytime you want to come no. on. Yeah, we can. <laughs> you can talk to Grady, but I'm going to leave. Yeah, we'll, we'll have that be like a solo You're Out of Town episode. Yeah, I'll interview I'm him. far away. He'll tell me about uh, the virtues of Western civilization. We'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sneaking up behind him to knock him out with a heavy object. <laughs> That's where I am. <laughs> uh, so the New York Times story about China here. It says, to rein in China's banks, Xi uses familiar playbook. Xi Jinping is revamping China's regulatory framework so the ruling Communist Party can assert more direct control over financial policy. As opposed to what we're doing? <laughs> it's right. They're stepping in to do something. That's another reading yeah, of it. Yeah, it sounds like that's what we're doing also. <laughs> the first line of the article, to me, sets a brilliant tone, and it really lets <laughs> you know what they're going to do. To a man with a hammer, a renowned psychologist once posited, everything oh looks like a nail. Oh my God. Can I, I have a real bone to pick with the New York Times lately. I mean, I have a bone to pick with them most days, mm-hmm. but like they're getting lazier and lazier. I feel like they're just like, I'm the biggest guy. I don't have to try hard anymore. Can I tell you a headline that I saw recently that's like completely inane, but drove me so crazy? Like... I, I didn't save this headline, but it's burned into my memory. I did not have to save it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, hold on. Was this... Oh, no. This, I think maybe it was Apple News. I don't know where the news story actually was from. It might have been Apple's News. It was one of those alerts that we get, right? Um, even though I don't fucking use Apple News, it's still like, hey. The headline was, Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. These people hate it. Oh, that was... I have a lot. I thought that was New York Times, maybe. Was that New York Times? I think it might have been. I thought I remember I would not be saying surprised. something about pickleball and people hating it. I don't know. First off, pickleball has been hot for like two years at least. Like, I've been heard, hearing about pickleball for a long time now. Oh, like, it was they're CNN. way behind. It was CNN. Okay, great. Still crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, how far behind are these fuckers? Like, pickleball has been in for a long time. Well, I mean, some of us haven't been playing pickleball. I haven't played it because I wouldn't 
Some that sounds us, difficult. Some of us still don't know really what pickleball is other than it looks like weird tennis. It is. It's weird small tennis without a net. I don't. I, I, I have only <laughs> been made aware of pickleball by its random coverage in the meat. So that, <laughs> they're talking no, to no, me. It's, but I it's don't very care. much. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a super white sport, I believe, in like very just kind of upper middle class people play it. Anyway. I like to call these um, bourgeois sports. Right. They're very bourgeois. Uh, skiing, badminton, bourgeois mm-hmm, sport. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? I mean, skiing's a good one because you can afford to get your arm broken. That means you have health care. If you, if you, have, <laughs> if oh, you yeah. go skiing, you got to have health care. All extreme sports, mm-hmm. minus maybe skateboarding because like it's more of a straight thing. Yeah, yeah. Winter sports require a lot of gear. That's and another one, yeah. Propensity for injury. So like that's some white people shit. Hockey in hockey in outcome at least is in that way it is incredibly white anyway so the other thing about this article (laughs) kyle goes to read it because he's just so flabbergasted by he's just like i gotta see what it is (laughs) and it's fucking it's not bourgeois enough because people who hate it does kyle play pickleball no uh but i think his mom does and like a lot of his like family friends okay so white people (laughs) no shade i just you know <laughs> no, uh, I think his knees would explode if he tried to do that. It's very <laughs> intense. Like you, you run a lot. So it's sort of but like it's a like tennis. It's closer quarters. It's like tennis, but a smaller court. And I think there's no net. So like badminton, but no net. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe the ball is different. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really informed take. But the article itself was like the people who hate it, homeowners associations. Oh. <laughs> Which are real people who matter. Yes. That we should care about anything that they have to say. Their complaint was that it makes too much noise. Why? Because because I was like, tennis makes the same fucking noise. What are you talking about? But because it's a, it's a smaller court, you have like more hits per minute, you know, because you're, you're so close. Mm-hmm. It's like loud ass ping pong. <laughs> it's it's incredibly dumb. Uh, these people hate it, but everyone else hates these people. <laughs> the homeowners. <laughs> yeah, like association. why do we give a fuck? Ugh. Oh, I'm telling. If there's any community space in this country, we will destroy it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably if you're listening to this and you're an active member of your homeowners association. Maybe you're the exception. I hope you are. Maybe you're very cool. Be maybe you exception. organize fucking pantry drives and. Whatever you do, mutual aid through that, great. Yeah, radicalize them, turn it into radicalize the HOAs. Yeah, I mean it could be good, (laughs) but in most people's experience, it's not. It's a terrible thing. (laughs) It's mostly bad. Ugh, pickleball. Okay. Yeah, pickleball. (laughs) What were we're on the China? We're talking about Um, China. (laughs) Yeah. So New York Times, they're like, whoa, look at China. For most of his decade in power, Xi Jinping, China's leader, has usually arrived at the same conclusion for how best to deal with the country's issues, get the Communist Party more involved. And now, as China is confronting an economy lacking the dynamism of the past and teetering from a real estate sector in crisis, and local governments overrun with debt, Mr. Xi is again wielding his hammer. I mean... Let's talk about how many anti-trans bills there are in the United States. Sounds like we're wielding a fucking hammer. Oh, yeah, but that's about, like, you know, something that's not as offensive as, like, government intervention in the economy. <laughs> Just taking no, away people's rights. No, government looking at children's privates, that's much less offensive. It's fine. Normal. Good. American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But I think it's funny. The whole article was just talking about, like, oh... 
They introduced changes to the regulatory framework. They're doing more bank regulation. They're having more party oversight of the financial system. And it's like, yeah, that's what you would do if you're working for the people instead of like the banks, you know? Yeah. Like, again, see list of banking regulations we decided to lift to, that led to this problem. Yeah. And they're, at some point they're talking <sighs> about like, oh, like how mean it is. Uh, this guy, <laughs> Bao Fan, a prominent investment banker and chief executive of this big holdings company vanished last month. And then Tragic. it turns out that he was, uh, in, he's been arrested, basically investigating, uh, cooperating with an investigation that, that they're carrying out. Like <laughs> you don't see any of our billionaire guys getting arrested Oh fuck and no. being held in an investigation. Absolutely not. Uh, that one of their guys, uh, Tian Yu, former president of China's merchant bank, one of the country's biggest commercial lenders, uh, was charged with abuse of power and insider trading. Got expelled Jesus. from the Communist Party. Uh, they said he led a corrupted life with loose morals for accepting lavish gifts as well as invitations for banquets, travel, and golf. Yeah, fuck this guy. Sounds terrible. Yeah. And what did he... Like, he got his just desserts there <laughs> as opposed to... You know, and, and if if they tortured anybody, that was bad. You know, and if they... Yeah, don't Anything really people. bad to them, but that's bad. excommunication? Yeah. Totally fine with me. Or if they just, you like, suck. take you all the shit. You don't get to hold power here. Yeah. Like... We'll still feed you, but like, guess what? You don't get to be in charge because you abuse power. That's pretty reasonable. Right. And I just, it's such a contrast in what they're doing versus what we're doing, for one. And then I love how it's such a contrast in how we treat the even-handed and good and, you know, uh, prudent use of power that our government is doing versus the, ooh, how tyrannical stuff that that they're doing when their state is actually taking these actions against, like, capitalists they're real bad guys yeah (laughs) and it's you know it's a nuanced area because they are using those same capitalists in a way you know they're like we're not banning you guys altogether we're just like (laughs) we're kind of doing the lawnmower thing of like trimming you when you get up too tall sort of thing but i don't know it's so you can criticize it and say this isn't really communism i mean they're they're allowing this sort of this sort of thing to be uh, but they are using it in a way that seems like it's aimed more at helping their people than our system seems to be. Yeah, for real. Like, what are the fucking goals here? Yeah. What the fuck else is going on? I just, I don't know. I've been online a lot today, but it's all, it's all just bad, really. Yeah, there's a lot of bad shit. Uh, trash is piling up in Paris. I didn't know about that one. We got a strike? They're on strike, yeah. Hell yeah. Entering, um, as of recording, their ninth day of the strike, Uh, but it's scheduled to go on. The government there under Macron is trying to raise the retirement age. Motherfucker, with these these guys on their retirement age raising. Yeah, uh, they're trying to raise it from 62 to 64. (laughs) That's like enviable. Yeah, we would take... In the U.S., we would take the scraps of having a 64. We would take the 64 happily. Like, oh, wow. That would be a reduction. <laughs> Isn't ours 67? 67, I think. They're uh, people in the sanitation sector. Mm-hmm. We're not talking, hey, I'm in sanitation, but like actual <laughs> sanitation workers. Their retirement age currently is 57 because it's backbreaking work. Yeah, dude. They're trying to raise that to 59. And so 
people are that there's a huge nationwide strike going on. And part of that, the sanitation sector is, you know, not operating. So trash is piling up. That's an essential fucking service. I mean, what's that stat of like, it's a, a million, not a million, I'm exaggerating here for effect, but it's so much more dangerous than like a police officer's job, like way more deaths occur in, in sanitation. Mm-hmm. In sanitation, in, you know, uh, lumberjacks or whatever, forestry work, Farming. Farming too. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, cause you end up like staying in the caves too long and, and the guy who camps out in the woods has to bring you back and you lose a bunch of your shit. If you're farming, that's pretty dangerous. <laughs> oh, you get hit by slime. Um, yeah, you get you get slimed. That's always <laughs> the worst. You pass out in your fields. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but there's lots of yeah. It's and and sanitation work just just physicals like strain of it. Yeah. Makes no, sense. that'll fuck you up. But uh, yeah, people have been have been striking there for a long time. Other cities are having the problems, you know, of. Garbage collection is too, but I think in, in Paris, they're really reliant on this urban area of any sort is going to be worse, you know, when that starts to happen. But to me, I don't know. It's impressive that they are, that French people, French society is so willing to stand up and fight for and protect these things. And to me, and I think to most anarchists and communists, we got to look at this and say, that's the reason they have these things. Right, that's the reason they have these things to fight for, right? Is because they are, when it comes down to it, when someone tries to take it away, they don't fucking back down and say, oh, well, that's it, you know? I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, like, the economy is seen as this very vague, almost mystical thing, like the fucking weather, you know? It's like, oh, times are tough. Like, it's a unmutable, mysterious thing that you have no control over, and I think that's the way people see jobs as well, of just like, well, I just have to do this and it's, you know, yeah. I'll take what I can get kind of mentality. And same with, you know, your benefits and all that kind of stuff. Like you just you just accept what you're given. Yeah. That's what that's what a century of anti communist propaganda will do to you. Like as a nation. Yeah, I mean yeah. one of the astounding things that people wrote about, contemporary people wrote about during the depression. Because they were shocked at it because a lot of them grew up in like World War One era and stuff. They, they had seen before the Red Scare, before the first Red Scare, what people were like in bad times then. And there was still some radicalism in the Great Depression, but there was less. And one of the astounding things to people that were writing at that time was how sad, I mean, it's called the Depression, but how sad <laughs> everyone seemed and like how sort of self-blaming mainstream America seemed to be about yeah, the situation. Yeah. If you like read pieces from that time, you know, like Grapes of Wrath, shit like that, like everyone's just like fucking, you know, alcoholic or suicidal or just like, it's my fault. I'm not providing for my family. And it's like, whoa, man, like maybe direct some of that. Those I mean, like those are valid feelings to have in terms of like, it does suck, mm-hmm. but not that it's your fault. Like, let's, let's take a good hard look whose fault it is. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think you even saw it then, you know, you're talking maybe, uh, 10, 15 years, 20 years into the project of, you know, after the Palmer raids and the first red scare. Systematically destroying the leftist movement. Yeah. Using the FBI, (laughs) using the federal government to destroy to the greatest extent possible, you know, 
saying, you know, that this is a Bolshevik plot, that this is, you know, uh, going to overthrow what they saw as a good uh, racist system, all this playing on all these fears and tying it all together and saying this is the bad evil. You know, that, that whole campaign really paid off, I think, from their point of view, because like then you have this. And there was radicalism, I do want to say, in, in the Great no, Depression absolutely. period and stuff. And, and onwards from that as well. Like, there there are people who give a shit. Yeah, it's just so diminished. It's not the mainstream. It's not the main current. But you do see Franklin Roosevelt, like, taking more radical actions than he otherwise would because he's trying to head off, like, communist insurrection in Oklahoma or Kansas yeah. or, you know, these places. But But now you're looking at, you know... In in the modern times, it's only gotten worse, I think, you know, and maybe the, the right wing always likes to come out with their talk shows and their Jordan Petersons and their type and saying, oh, the <laughs> radical Marxist professors taking over everything. But like, I would like to see that. Like in our society, it doesn't I would look love. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've met a radical Marxist professor. Like, I, w- I wish I had had those. <laughs> yeah. And you know, outside the academy, I think regular normal Americans are not any more communist or socialist than they have been in a long time. I don't know. To me, that's not an upswing. People like to say, oh, young people identify more with socialism than capitalism. They're not showing it. No, they're very secretive about it. Like, I still have to test those waters. They're showing it on Twitter, maybe. <laughs> or they're showing it on TikTok, but they're not showing it, actually, like, in terms of yeah. real political action. Well, I mean, yeah, the way I've experienced it is not, this is a big generalization, but I've, I've experienced it with people roughly in my age group of we will kind of trivially say things like, oh, yeah, it's capitalism, it sucks, like stuff like that. But there is very little follow up to that, which I don't have a lot of that either. It's not like I'm out no, there. No, yeah, we're talking about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that as well. And it's, it is like we all roughly recognize the symptom, but we keep like using the same practices to expect different results of like, well, I guess I'll vote and whatever, you know, or I'll donate to whatever. Yeah. And that's maybe that's the change or something when when they do stories and say like oh look how radical the youth are is that at least we see it but we don't do anything about it but I think even <laughs> now the mainstream of America the like the the regular people your middle class or whatever you want to call them working class I just say the majority yeah they have what you were saying about this mis- mystery of the economy right and how it it just kind of works. It happens to them. It happens to, yeah. There's this sort of priestly understanding of, you know, oh, the economists that are in communion with the, whatever the economic gods are and stuff and, and the businesses and the job creators and all this, like the creators, it's creation myth. It's, it's just this like weird abstracted thing from them. And to me, I, the reason I brought up the red scare and, and the sort of the political indoctrination is that I don't think... French society, I mean, has been grappling with this directly. I mean, they, they had to, like, rewrite their constitution. They had widespread uh, riots in, in, and, and people taking over and throwing up barricades in Paris and stuff, like, within living memory, you know, over the questions of popular control of, of their government, uh, over the questions of, like, are we going to go left or right? And they still have, I think or they have more of an understanding, regular people have more of an understanding of the economy being produced 
by us, the workers. Yes, because they have shut their city down multiple times and they can see even this, even the the current strike, like you see what happens when the workers stop, like your trash fucking piles up, like we are important. Yeah. And they have labor unions that do the work of spreading that among masses. And so people are like, they don't have this mystified view that the economy is something that happens on Wall Street. You know, the, the economy is something that happens with the banks or with the government or the CEOs or whatever. They understand where the value comes from. Like you said, they can shut shit down and see it concretely. And so they're more likely to do that, to actually use that, you know, the greatest weapon workers have of withholding our labor and taking to the streets Whereas we don't in the U.S., it's it's this. What would that do? Because we we don't we don't do it. Cause, yeah, cause we we never do it, so we never see it working, and we don't have this conception of the economy as like our produce, like our you know the fruit of the workers. Rather, it's always preached to regular people that jobs come from generous you know titans of industry. Yeah, it it is like, it is, I would say, very kind of traditional, maybe evangelical, maybe in its some of its roots, or, or at least in some of its applications and, and language of, it's like, leave that to your betters kind of thing of like, oh, like, we're going to obfuscate it with all these confusing things. And like, when we're talking, joking about like the levers and the necromancy, like, yeah, I personally don't want to get involved in that. That sounds like a big pain in the ass. <laughs> But like, the fact is like the the economy, it's like, it's something that, again, happens to us. But also we feel like we're all working towards it. It's it's very fascism. I mean, honestly, that's really we have <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, we have a different role that is ordained for us that is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we, we have to agree with X because it creates jobs. We have to agree with Y because it'll reduce inflation, whatever it is. Like we have to pretend we're on the same team here. Instead of actually stepping back and saying, okay, like, who does this benefit? Yeah, yeah. It's part of this idea of, the, of the, having a meritocracy or whatever, which you were saying kind of has this evangelical root of maybe the the elect, right? There are preordained people who, who are good, and you see their goodness working out in the world by their wealth, right? The gospel of wealth is how they used to talk about this in the 1900s. Oh, they, yeah. The 19th century and stuff is this idea that your wealthier betters were blessed. This like they had an outward manifestation they earned it. of their, they deserve it. Yeah. It was their moral birthright, their moral, their hard earned bounty that was really only to trickle down to everyone else. We remember way back when we did our reading of, of Carnegie and, Oh and my god, philanthropy. That like that's that's part of that underpinning notion. I mean, that even goes back to like predestination shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think that's the way some of these texts have been perverted, you know, religion wise, it is to organize people in very specific ways. And you know, things down, you know, down to the very family unit and, you know, gender ideologies, like all that kind of shit, like it absolutely can be, yeah, patriarchy, like it can be used to make sure people conform the way you want them to conform. It does not have to be used for that, Mm -hmm. but that's what a whole hell of a lot of people do. Yeah. And so we regularly talk about this when we're in our history episodes uh, about how this leftist movement or that leftist movement or whatever, you know, in the Russian Revolution, 
do some anti-church shit, right? And it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of icky to it. It's like, oh, my hey, face. not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. But they are dealing, in those historical circumstances, they're always dealing with a church that is taking that tack that you're talking about, right? That is upholding the patriarchy. That is saying, you know, you need to do things for the czar. That the czar is God's agent on earth. We are here to live out our purpose. And, and it's always got this very conservative, this very reactionary. Uh, oh, yeah. Fascistic sort of view of this organic society. And so it becomes an enemy because of what it's preaching, you know? Yeah. Also, huge landowners, usually. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I saw that uh, the Pope, which always gets a pass as the cool Pope, but... uh Fuck that. For a pope, he's cool. But what's okay, what, what if he did those bad? Because he does do bad things too. He, yeah, yeah. My guy says that uh, gender ideology is like the most dangerous thing we've ever faced. <sighs> and yeah, yeah. And it's like, you want to talk about groomers, sweetie? You want to look inside your own fucking house? <sighs> wow. <laughs> oh, and he compared it. Oh no, no. Cherry on top. Cherry on top. He compared it uh, to. Let me let me find the the quote because it was. <laughs> Something. Okay. He says it's dangerous to civilization. Cool, cool. <laughs> oh, um, he calls it, quote, one of the most dangerous ideological colonizations. Now, my guy, if you run the Catholic Church, I would maybe not use the C word on a regular basis in a public forum. <laughs> yeah, you're in. I'm sorry. You're from Argentina? <laughs> colonization? Yeah. You're involved in the Catholic Church in Argentina, and you're going to talk about colonization? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing, Now, it's modern incarnation. It can provide, you know, um, <laughs> lots of spiritual and all this. This is good for people who that's your mm-hmm. thing. This is but okay. Like, I, maybe you wouldn't, like, bring up that memory. Yeah, but historically. Everybody. Yeah, uh, right? <laughs> you want to look at who's done more colonizing. I think you would lose that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, the empire of New Spain and <laughs> Peru would flatten the indigenous uh, shrines, the indigenous uh, villages, uh, civilizations that were built there would torture people and force them into submission. Smallpox blankets? Don't forget smallpox blankets. Yeah, so some historians debate on whether this was intentional or not, but <gasps> eventually it, I think it does end up getting used intentionally, but their point of view on that is kind of funny. It's just that people were too stupid to use that as, as germ warfare <laughs> sort of thing, uh, which uh, is fair, maybe, but <laughs> it really gender ID. What? So gender ideology is just, that's what he's targeting. Does he give any context as to what he means? He's talking about trans people. I didn't read the entire interview with him. You want to talk about gender ideology? Take a look at your own book. That also is gender ideology. Like, Come on, buddy. What? Yeah. Like, what else can he mean besides gender does not equal sex, I guess? Or you can have your own gender, you know, identity? Like, let's see. There's no other way to construe that, right? Oh, wow. The the supporting quotes do not make it any better. (laughs) Why is it dangerous? Because it blurs differences and the value of men and women. Okay. What is that? (laughs) Wow. You're just saying the quiet part out loud. Like, we don't want women to think they're the same. It's, uh, it's backward. <laughs> it's not the way that our show views things where the mm-hmm. left, I think should view things. What is a more traditional? I think maybe what he's saying is sort of the, 
who we've seen communists actually say this in different ways of women hold up half the sky. Of mm, yeah, yeah. Sort of like people have different things to contribute, both equally valid, but in his, what he's emphasizing is different things based on your gender <laughs> rather than... Yes. I think yes. what we should be doing is being more flexible and whatever, but... <laughs> Oof. Gender ideology. Gender ideology. It's coming for us. Don't even worry about climate collapse. It's gender ideology. Friend of the show, you can take a break on that interview too. I'm a open invitation, man. As long as you're not like really a white supremacist guy, I probably can't hold my cool for you. But like Mm-mm. pretty much short of that or like really, I don't know, maybe one of the pickup artist type people or something and the red pill oh, guys yeah. or something. But like, yeah, kind of short of Jordan that. Peterson that. Dude, I could rock Jordan Pete. He's such an idiot. Like, <laughs> he's really stupid. He's because he's just one. He's one of those people who never did the readings, but cites a lot of the. <laughs> he's just very stupid. <laughs> I don't know. That would be fun. It'd give you more time to do whatever you want to do. That's true. I got another book to write. Line up bullshit <laughs> interviews with dumbasses. Have fun with that. <laughs> oh my god. I say this now, but I actually wouldn't like it. I don't think. No, that sounds really difficult and annoying. They would just be so loud. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, that sucks. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really mean thing to say. So Francis, not good. <sighs> yeah. What did not that a come fan. from though? What did we read saying before? Uh, the New York Post. New York Post. Oh. No, that was the su- the source. Okay, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I mean... Oh, um, previously discussed. Where were we on? We were on fucking... We were all over the place. France was the big we're... topic, but then we were talking about, oh, uh, gospel well preordained, yeah, this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, patriarchy and, and churches being patriarchal. Mm, yeah, yeah. Why churches can be bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite quotes from Fiddler <laughs> is, is there a blessing for the czar? <laughs> may oh. god bless us and keep the czar far away from here <laughs> uh uh rest in peace to um the main guy's actor uh mm, did, he, did, did he pass away fairly recently yeah oh love him yeah, maybe last week or something i remember maybe seeing it i was like dude. the only I, I only know about you because i recently watched this <laughs> yeah i'm topol yeah Bummer. He was cool. Oh, what? He was in the Israeli army. <laughs> oh, he's in IDF? Uh, yeah. Oh, he began his acting career during the Is- Israeli army service. Oh. So, okay, a little less cool. Yeah, it's a knock on anybody. But, okay, he also started uh, an organization that is a year-round camp for Arab and Jewish children with life-threatening illnesses. So he included Arab children in that. He didn't just make it only Jewish. I do want to raise the point. That's a very low bar. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really low bar. Yeah, you're right. It is funny, though, because the discourse on on uh, the Arab-Israeli conflict is has such low bars like that. Oh, it absolutely does. Like, oh, you didn't murder all of them? Good job. Yeah. And <laughs> you're treated yeah. as a crazy person for suggesting that maybe oh, yeah. it should be one state. Where everyone has democratic rights and the majority mm-hmm. would rule and that's seen as out of bounds of just saying like it's not gonna be a Jewish state, it's gonna be like a state yeah, for yeah. everyone who lives there, Arab and Israeli, are all going to coexist and have equal rights. And this is always 
historically a very fascinating question and well like uh to me i think it tells on the oppressor in every case to be totally transparent these are the kind of conversations we typically cut from this show because like we are so scared yeah <laughs> we never talk about it we're just like oh i don't, I don't want to get yelled at and called like anti-jewish or something sure like, yeah no. <laughs> but a anti-semitism is not the same as anti-zionism it's not. And like, I read this Zionist post the other day. I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy because this is crazy. This is crazy talk. And like, it was all being presented in such like, look how reasonable I am language. And I was like, no, no, yeah. you can't. You can't. Just, it was all whataboutism. That was the whole thing. <laughs> was like, you can't get mad at theocracies because there's other theocracies. I'm like, I think I can still get mad at theocracies. Yeah, I just don't like theocracies, first of all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a valid point. <laughs> yeah. And... <sighs> It's, I don't know. To me, the main thing there is, is when a group in power is terrified that a majority that they're in power over is going to have equal rights to them. Maybe ask some questions. Yeah, this is pretty exposing. Like, this is this is sort of saying, what are you afraid of? And the answer is clear. The answer is that the reason you're afraid is that you know what you're doing. You know what you did. <laughs> yeah. You know what you're doing and you know what you would do in that circumstance that any human being would do in that circumstance. This is the reason why slave owners in the antebellum South were terrified of slave rebellions because they knew it would be their heads rolling on the ground. Because why? Because they thought that they were doing a favor to their slaves. No, it's because they realized what they were doing they to knew, humans. Who, they knew it was fucked up. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And, and yes, the, the particulars are different. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's the the big challenge too with with when you talk about Zionism and and things like that is it, it's you can't draw comparisons or it is deemed defensive. Yeah, no. I mean, it's um, a completely different uh, situation in the particulars. It is, but like what, when when you try to do that though, people are like, "Well, the, you can't do like that's not mm -hmm. okay because X Y Z." Like, yeah, big, I, okay, I mean, yeah, a big yeah, one I'm is sorry. Germany, and then I mean, people people say, "Oh, this is kind of a fascistic state." And they'd be like, well, you cannot because this is, you know, in the because Holocaust Hitler. and stuff. And it's like, fair, but let's take a step back and uh, can we borrow some of the anti-communist rhetoric and say, okay, <laughs> totalitarianism. What about that? Yeah. Can we just agree on some basics? And like, I, I mean, again, I'm watching The Sopranos right now. I'm rewatching it. And then the Columbus Day episode cracks me the <laughs> fuck up. Oh, my God. It's so good on so many levels. I love that fucking AJ's reading a people's history. I'm like, man, you got a good book there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is this um, the one where they do the Alexander Graham Bell thing? Uh, no, that I think that's earlier. Okay. That's earlier. That's season one. Yeah. But th this is the one where he's, he reads the Columbus quote of like, they'd make fine slaves or whatever. Mm, yeah. Sorry, y'all. It's peacock mating season in my neighborhood. <laughs> Get it on. <laughs> They're getting fucking busy out there. <laughs> Trying to go fuck. Um... So yeah, if that comes out of the recording, that's what's happening. Why don't they do it in the road? <laughs> they might. <laughs> uh, I think they prefer trees and ah. roofs, though, right. from what I've seen. Fair anyway, so yeah, the Columbus ep Day episode was, they, you know, they, they're going back and forth. Uh, you know, the Italians are really mad they're like, oh, it's Italian pride, blah, blah, blah. And then they're talking to Hesh about it. And he's like, I mean, yeah, he like did genocide. Like he is on the other side of it. And they're like, what the fuck? Um, and one guy there agrees with Hesh and he's like, yeah, he was worse than Hitler. And Hesh shuts the fuck down. He's like, worse than Hitler. I'm just like, why does it matter? Why do we have to like fucking keep score? Why can't we be like, they're both very bad. Like <laughs> calm the fuck down. Yeah. 
<laughs> Two things can be bad at once. Yeah, that's for sure true. And this, anyway, and, this episode is thirty minutes long because <laughs> we had to cut all this because we got yeah. scared. <laughs> uh, but no, okay. <laughs> There's so many good connections there, though, that should historically be getting into because, like, uh, Hitler, for his part, was inspired and uh, the the eastern the Leib- Liebentrum taking over eastern europe was inspired by like the american settler colonial experience mm-hmm. he's like i loved what you did with that shit yeah and this was <laughs> it was like literally a model and literally mm-hmm. they were like let's move people out there with covered wagons and like advertise like, this was like government policy right? lifted they were not inspired by that because they hated that system and suffered under it and everything but Establishing the state of Israel involved wiping out and moving out Arab people who lived there. There was a war. Yeah, that's bad. Generally, forcibly relocating people yeah. is a bad thing. It's not thing. morally equivalent because one was like literally wearing skulls on their helmet and doing the like Darth <laughs> Vader style evil empire Full on thing. death cult. <laughs> yeah, they were they were terrible. It's not it's not the same in that aesthetic. No, aspect. but it's we not. can agree the action was very similar and enough to say maybe don't do that action anymore. Yeah, it was in the broad same category of being bad to people and it should not have been done. You know, and best we can do because we're living in the world that that's already created, but best we can do now is say, okay, well the people living in this area should have the same rights. And it doesn't require you to be anti-Semitic. It doesn't require it to be... No, no, absolutely not. Anything at all. Like, you should just be like, people should have equal rights. You know, it's like saying in, if you're looking at apartheid South Africa, saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't have apartheid anymore. Maybe we should have equal rights for everybody here. <laughs> and everyone says, well, you must hate white people. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's not required. You can just have that belief. And you can just I say, like to make fun of them, but I don't hate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, I don't know. I think a lot of that is silly and overblown and I get why it's overblown because if you, you know, you, you want to pick your fights there so that you don't have to deal with the bigger question of like everyone's suddenly turning on you and stuff, but it's such a thorny issue. Um, I am already having anxiety about talking about it, but you know, it's fine. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you can cut it if you want. <laughs> no, so me whatever. Fine. Uh, we were talking about France before that, so maybe you can say, oh, it's tangential, or I don't know, but... <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. But no, France, they're doing the strikes. They hopefully will succeed. I liked this part of, so I was reading a story in the Associated Press. Uh, we called them, what, Associated Peckers before? Maybe disingenuous, but whatever. Uh, they were talking about it, and they were I mean, they were pretty good on the coverage, honestly, they were talking to striking workers and stuff and, and giving them the, the bulk of the quotes. They, they also interviewed like a, a traveler, um, a tourist from Britain or something who was like, you know, oh, it's, you know, kind of sucks. There's trash everywhere. But says they nevertheless sympathized with striking workers, accepted her discomfort as being for a good cause. Oh, that's like so nice. Yeah. Like generally it was a positive story or whatever. Uh, they interviewed one of the striking workers, you know, who said, you know, this sucks basically, but president Macron has only to withdraw his plan to increase the French retirement age and Paris will be cleaned in three days, you know? And I like that, like this point of view 
Yes, of like, we're not the ones holding it up. Yeah, it's something we're missing from whenever you end up with teacher strikes or something. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. think of the kids and think, well, yeah, think of the kids, but think about this. I would also like to do that, yeah. <laughs> what about the superintendent? What about school board? Like, they could change things on their end if they want to. It's not up to the workers to say, oh, never mind, we'll lay down and take whatever working conditions you have just to get everyone along. Like, it's up to the bosses, too. And that's the thing, like, with, with think of the kids. Like, if you want to look at you know, on average, who gives more of a shit about kids? I would bet dollars to donuts as teachers over administrators because they only care about getting their attendance and all their like fucking federal funding and like all that. Again, it is about money to them. Yeah. Like, yeah, they may tangentially care about kids in, in some abstract way or like they may personally like a few, some kids, but <laughs> their goals are not the same. And if you have like teachers that are, you know, not overworked and dying, I think you'd have a better classroom experience. I'm just going to go ahead and guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And you're Uh. right. It's an abstraction. It's teachers who are seeing face-to-face and forming relationships with and genuinely loving the kids in their classroom on a human level versus people who are just like, yeah, I'm in favor of kids having a good education. This is fine, but... Day to day, you have different priorities. You have boxes you have to check and, and things you have to accomplish on your list. This is your relationship and the relationship you have with people in your in your office. That's not what's, what's driving you is not the actual affection you have for humans in front of you that you want to see grow. I mean, I'm, I just started watching uh, Clarkson's Farm. Have you heard of this show? No. Okay, so... It's one of the guys from Top Gear, and he's my least favorite guy on Top Gear. Um, <laughs> but he's very good in this show, mm-hmm. uh, just because he's he's uh, kind of the punching bag in it, so you get to laugh at him a lot. Um, <laughs> he's so he's a super rich guy. He made all of his money doing you know a bajillion seasons of Top Gear, and he starts a farm in England. Um, well, you know he's British, and um, he starts a farm and doesn't know fucking shit. He buys a fucking <laughs> crazy giant lamborghini brand tractor oh uh, yeah yeah and everyone's like that that's way too big that's got a, su- a lamp does it break down all the time you got to take it to the foreign tractor uh repair guy like well yeah it, there was an error message and it was like in german or something which i'm like lamborghini's not german <laughs> it, it had german instructions like for the screen and then like french parts inside and italian parts it was so weird wow. anyway it's yeah it's pretty ridiculous it's the eu's tractor <laughs> yes yeah, so, so, yeah and it had it had a european hitch on it instead of like the right kind of hitch for the uk i guess um, but anyway, um, I've only seen a handful of episodes um, and some of them out of order just because I just would watch whenever Kyle was watching. But it is interesting because it does talk a lot about like government regulations and like how they impact farmers. But like even with that, like you could look at that and be like, well, that's very bad because, you know, they're they're making it. And it is it, like they do show a lot of like these farmers are living on the edge of bankruptcy like all the time. They're like. Yeah, if I don't get this field planted, like I'm out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's all it's for a lot of that sort of small operations. It's a shoestring budget. It's borrowing money and paying money back. That's what. Yes, of thing. using like super old equipment, everything secondhand, that kind of stuff. But even that, I'm like, even just seeing this community of farmers because they show like a lot of people. I'm like, you could not do this show in the United States because it's like, welcome to the Monsanto farm. This is the farm. <laughs> Dude, yeah, <laughs> you know? that was uh, that documentary King Corn had a lot of yeah in it, and it was like sort of showing that it was like a like a eulogy 
almost for that because you know how much of that is still around right i mean there can't be much of it left by now because that documentary is probably like 15 years old or something at yeah, least it was it was it had that dated sort of mm-hmm. early 2000s early, yeah early 2000s <laughs> yeah but like i don't know it just again it just made me think of our like and we also we we listen to gastropod which i i cite a lot um, this one was on artificial flavors, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. And like, it very much came up hand in hand with sugar because like some of the earliest artificial flavors were things like fruit. It, it's so fascinating, like the the back and forth of government regulation and basically just capitalists trying to make a buck and like that back and forth of like the government saying, okay, well, natural, you know, we have to like regulate that. But, like, the, the regulations are still really loose. Like, as long as it comes from, like, something, <laughs> you can, like, it can come from coal and still be natural. Ooh, natural coal juice? Cold pressed coal? So, coal, apparently, a lot of coal byproducts make, like, a fruity smell. And smell is, you know, most of taste. Um, but they make a lot of fruity smelling compounds as a byproduct. And so I'm like, holy shit, natural flavors is just a coal product. <laughs> So, (laughs) yeah, it's insane. I don't know. It was really weird because they were talking about like all these new innovations, like, oh, maybe we'll be able to grow it from yeast and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what if we just spent all this time and money that we're fucking around with this to like making good food that people want to (laughs) eat? Crazy. Yeah. (sighs) And some of it was interesting. Like, I'll grant you that. Like, there were some interesting points about like, okay, well, this could also democratize some foods that are really expensive, you know, like now everyone can try to caviar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm down for that. But like, again, it's, it's the technology isn't evil. It's like, how we're using it. Yeah. And like you said, shouldn't we be producing stuff just for people to enjoy, to be good for them? Like. Coal. No one needs to eat fucking coal slurry. Stuff that came <laughs> off of a coal, like a piece of coal. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. I'm actually not sure if the natural artificial thing, if the natural thing includes coal, but it was a lot of stuff. It was like wood, uh, grass, like literally just anything kind of naturey, alive, sort of like yeast and. I don't know. It was a very long list. It wasn't just like, it has to come... Like, you know, if it's natural strawberry flavor, that ain't a fucking strawberry. <laughs> but it, yeah, it also doesn't matter if... Even if you have... Because who looks at the artificial flavoring stuff? Oh, if there's artificial flavoring, who cares? No, they and it, and it doesn't list that. It just says, has natural and artificial flavors. Or has natural flavors. Like They don't list specifically, like, yeah, this came from, you know, some yeah. charred wood to make vanilla. Like, they don't give a shit. Yeah, and... Why should we be ingesting that? Like, you know, that, <laughs> and and that's where you end up with this sort of obsession with health and, and things mm-hmm. that's just placed on the individual. It's, it's partially, it's, it's kind of atomizing and, and that alienating is like you, you have to, it's up to you to you figure have to out. You good choices. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how many of you guys agree with this, but I would like to have fewer choices. <laughs> I think I would too, man. Like I honestly, this is going to sound really bougie, but I've had a cider and I'm opening up guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, uh, income has increased substantially over the past couple of years and I am now able to afford nicer things. And I'm like, 
hey, what if everyone could afford nice things? Because this is like markedly better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not, it's not about the, like you reach a certain level, I think, like where your options do dwindle. Like once you're kind of out of like mid-range prices for things, you're like, oh, this is the best one and I can afford the best one. I'm going to get that. <laughs> like we've talked about this concept before of, you know, when you buy shittier projects for cheap or shittier things for cheap, you they will often break down time. faster. Yes. There's a guy with the boot thing. The boot thing. The boot thing. Yes. Yeah. I think that was Terry Pratchett. There you go. And I, I find that to be more and more true as I do have access to those nicer things. I'm like, damn, it is nice to like buy a nice piece of clothing. Like I bought nice jeans recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always just bought like fucking $15 old Navy jeans that just, they fall apart after a year because my thighs just friction those jeans away Thunder thigh, I know. <laughs> and they they stain seats uh like often with cheap je- jeans you have a lot of dye in them uh-huh. um and so like if you ever are wearing them like you'll sit stand up and you're like oh there's blue on that couch i i have stained my couch with my own jeans <laughs> yeah yeah um but i recently invested in like some nice like levi jeans and i'm like oh these are really good like it's not like don't get me wrong a lot of fashion a lot of consumer products are totally bullshit it's a lot of marketing and yeah big you know but sometimes you find a product they're like oh this is good and what everyone should have access to it's more sustainable it lasts way longer it fits better like it does all the things it's supposed to do yeah yeah no i fuck with <laughs> levi jeans for sure they're fucking that's, good. <laughs> that's what I roll. I only I have like three pairs of them. I have that. like three pairs and I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. But apparently you don't have to, you know. It, you don't have to, you can rewear jeans. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, yeah. A sensible society. Would take out the crap. Yeah. The type we want to build. Right. The commune. Mm-hmm. The worker state is not going to have fast fashion. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have any of those, those crappy products that's that it will have fast fashion but it will have fast utility not really fast fashion it'll have like stuff that you can wear to go clean the sewers you yeah, know, yeah. You throw it away disposable jumpsuits that we recycle yeah. <laughs> but it's not have fast fashion just for just for fucking just to produce and just to be there for people who don't have another option it's not like a value judgment on anyone who buys less quality things because you hear yeah, that too no. from, from a rich people love to judge like oh if you buy that like you're just gonna buy it again later and i'm like yeah, people don't no. have that option <laughs> yeah no i mean they want to turn it into a conservative exercise of having the right values we were talking about the the role of a church and everything and this is a sort of this sort of turning it into a sin or a virtue moralizing that's not what we're trying to talk about no here, no right? no what i'm saying is all. everyone deserves high quality things and we could fucking do that if we got our shit together and you know like let let's take you know i think we've used this example a few times of like toothpaste where there's too many fucking options like you could say well you know you know i i really like this one fucking brand but like there's so many brands that are basically identical (laughs) like and there's probably brands that aren't good or have bad things in them and if you like had a system where like the community <laughs> decided, like, okay, this this toothpaste is bad for you. We're not going to use it anymore. That's very reasonable. Yeah. In the commune, we are not going to have good and bad tears. Uh, in terms of harm and stuff for you, now, we may have maybe more indulgent food. Yeah, we'll have right? some fattening foods. Fuck it. Yeah. 
You got I mean, the cake. Come on. Yeah, we're gonna have enjoyment. <laughs> but the, the motto for the quality of stuff we're producing for people and what we should be demanding, the same way the French are demanding that they keep their retirement age, you know, and they're even saying, hey, even if because it does look like the legislature is like gonna gonna pass this law, they're still saying, hey, you know, that's that's not the end of the story. We can still keep. They were interviewing people. They were like, hey, we're still going to, you know, protest and shit, still going to strike and shit, and we can still make them retract that. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love that Whereas we would be laying down. They're like, whatever. Yeah. We'd Fuck, be like, I'm you know. so sorry. Is, you know, our, our adage is going to be there's nothing, like Bill, Big Bill Haywood said this back in the day, there's nothing too good for the working class. Yes. Or, or Huey Long, every man a king. Yeah. This yeah. is what we want. Everyone should have the best of these yeah. things and not, you know, be having to figure out, Oh, am I going to, you know, get the bargain one so I can get by that sort of thing. And resources aren't going to be wasted on producing something that is just enough to cover up, cover you up for now, just so you can survive sort of thing. You know, we'll get rid of the really low quality stuff. Probably get rid of some of the high quality stuff that just gets away by like being nicely branded. <laughs> It'll just be oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> going to be good. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know. I, I don't, again, I don't want it to sound barracksy and like, you know, I know people get nervous about that, especially I think with like personal items like fashion and, and maybe food too. It's like, there still is options for customization, but it's just got to be more sustainable. Like we have to like, we will be able to approach our values in a, much better like instead of saying like yeah let's all eat coal tar products for fucking strawberry artificial flavors we can be like hey maybe we don't <laughs> yeah and what is the reason why we're having those flavors and stuff and everything they mentioned it you you mentioned it when you're talking about the show is like oh poor people can eat caviar or whatever but that's mm -hmm. not why they're doing it no that's right? not why they're doing it they're doing that's it to sell more shit exactly so anything under 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 capitalism when you're looking at this and oh why you know great we can see these wonders of capitalism they've given us and, and everything oh we get to see this we get to have this product or whatever it's never for you it's always for their pr profit like that's you're a byproduct like your satisfaction with it is just like accidental you're a means to the end of them making their pile of money into a bigger one they already got what they needed out of you yeah and you in when when you change that and when you say, what is the actual end? The end is human needs. And we're going to provide for people and try to make them as whole as we can and as satisfied as we can and as in communion with each other as they can and, and, and have a common spirit of humanity. And this is what we're trying to build with people, right? It's just like, let them fulfill themselves. Then you have room, like you said, for customization. Absolutely. And then you have room for people to say, hey, you know, like me and these guys here, we want to try to come up with some kind of crazy recipes, right? We want to come mm -hmm. up with some kind of We're going to do weird some weird shit. molecular gastronomy to make fake caviar. Like, go for it. Yeah. They want to make fancy stuff. And then you have this crew over here and they're like, man, I remember the old shit. I remember when, when <laughs> like Donald's fries are fried in beef tallow. And we want oh, to make stuff like that, fries. you know, and like really, you know, oh. grubby stuff. And I like, did I did buy that, that beef bacon one time and it smelled exactly like the backseat of the Nissan <laughs> Quest we grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think there is a virtue to this that one can really only experience the truly unmitigated good side of it 
when it's divorced from the capitalist society that is like tarnishing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all your fast food experience, all, all the things that are killing you because capitalism is shoving them at you. You can enjoy them and you small can have them, amounts. but you'll have the choice to have other things too. Yeah, that's the thing is you you if you can enjoy them by choice instead of by necessity have to have them, then it'll transform it into a good experience. A novelty. Yeah, instead of something that's inflicted on you. Yeah, yeah, truly. You're talking about like in you know be in communion with other people. I was reading about. I don't know, just the the frightening lack of public spaces we have, particularly for teenagers. Mm. Um, I was reading, I can't remember where it was, but someone like banned teens from a mall. And I'm like, where the fuck else are they supposed to go? (laughs) I'm sorry, you you, you roped them into only there. Yeah, you said you can go here because the byproduct is we get money from you. Yeah, it's astounding. Like we are we are criminalizing existence at this point. I mean, we Dude, do that, that for wild. homeless people already. So, yeah, but. Sure. But uh, an interesting pairing to that. And I feel like most people have experienced this lack of public space. We have the library, the park. I mean, a, a, a variation of the park, the plaza. But mm-hmm. what do we have? If you have good sidewalks, which that's not a guarantee. No, because some cop will come out here and say, you're loitering outside of this building. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. You mean for stationary city. Yeah. Just hanging out. Mm, Loitering. Yeah. I'm pro loitering. I love a loiter. Loitering, (laughs) you should be able to do. But I think. Absolutely. Have you ever done this or something? You've like been somewhere you want to wait or whatever, or you just want to be, you know, spend time with somebody in a place where you don't have to buy a thing. It's It's kind of annoying. It's so hard to find that. Yeah, it's like because even like the coffee shop, you have to buy some coffee. Really, you have the park and the library. I mean, I I remember seeing this online a while back. Was like the reason everyone's so nostalgic for college is like that's when you had public spaces. Yeah, it's a walkable city. It's a walkable city with everything you need, with all your friends, with green spaces, a lot of free services for you, barely any cars. It's no, I mean, it's you, you, <laughs> we you all live go to where, college for the rest of your life. You live where you work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another we're, we're being very utopian this episode, <laughs> but this is fine. This is sort of what you come here for. Right. Yeah. I, I inject we're a little bit Doomer of the Marxist Leninism, but yeah, you, we, we, we do a lot of the utopian stuff and the commune. What do we want to do? We want to build basically what it should be the college experience. Yeah, I mean, people. that was hot for a minute. Like, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter was, like, the 15-minute cities. Like, everyone was, like, talking about, like, yeah, why aren't we fucking doing that? That, like, it takes 15 minutes to walk anywhere? Yeah. This is sort of what Abby and I do when, if we travel somewhere. I always stay downtown. Yeah, we, we try to stay as close as we can towards the main stuff. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much we don't touch our car after that. No, I try yeah. not to. And even this is not the most doable and most play, but it worked for us. Uh, we went to San Antonio. Really? That worked there? I thought it wouldn't be as walkable. So, yeah, we stayed down by the river walk. We did drive out to see our friend who lives way up north of that, right? But besides that, we walked everywhere. That's great. And, and it was actually kind of doable because you could you kind of walk on the river walk you want to. You could walk downtown. It's pretty walkable downtown. It was fine. It's not, maybe we didn't do all the things that you could get to do if you 
drove around, but it's just sort of a, we don't like, we don't like to drive. So that was sort of a priority. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what we try to do too. Like I, I went to Denver recently and it was, it was fairly walkable. I mean, I only stayed like pretty close to downtown. I wasn't, if I, I had an errand to run, I did have to Uber to that. But besides that, pretty easy. And so that's the difference maybe between just like visiting a place and seeing frivolities mm-hmm. versus actually living there. And that's what we want to change is that the living there actual experience is the same as that you're saying the 15 minute city experience of we wanted to make it as accessible, as convenient as like a college campus where you have everything there or within walking distance or bus distance or public transit distance of you. You know, that's what we want. And also you get to keep learning forever, like in college. Yes. And there's the pressures put, right? The pressures put upon you. These things you're stressing about is how better to better yourself. That sounds lovely. (laughs) Um, I was given a time check for dinner, so I think we're at a good spot. Uh, yeah, no, we should, we should cut it there. Even if you end up cutting out (laughs) the discussion of, you know, it's fine. I think people can handle it. We, weren't, we didn't say anything bad. We lost those people already. Palestinians are human beings. I like Palestinians. Rights, you know? I think, yeah, I think that's a pretty low fucking bar. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> Check yeah. out the comments section. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, next week, um, listener Q&A. All right, so you're too late for this episode. Yes. But if you want to add to the pile, because we're going to be clearing <laughs> out stuff. Yes. You know, send it in. Absolutely. Please do. We love hearing from you. Even if it's just praise. Christine likes praise. I love praise so much. <laughs> My dentist figured out that I love praise and like was sure to tell me after each appointment, like, I'm so proud of you for following up on this cleaning. And I was like, <laughs> she was great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like I got the night guard. I went and I got the fitting. But like I did all my appointments with I did like probably four appointments within six months. And she was like, great job. <laughs> nice dude oh, night guard though top notch right oh uh, well i don't know i fucking lost mine in europe because they never found my bag oh <laughs> it's yeah. four hundred dollars down the drain yeah you have to get another one of those they're, they're great <sighs> i know i need to <laughs> i need to uh all right so we'll catch you then <laughs> we'll answer your questions all that stuff cool don't send me any praise i hate praise <laughs> apparently. he no. hates it so much I'm a human. I like praise, too. Some people don't like it. Some people get real weird about it. Oh, I'll get weird about it, like, in a personal level. If you praise me, like, to my face. Face to face? Yeah, but if you just send it in, I get to enjoy it on my own time. Do you do the rejection? Like, oh, no. No, I'm just kind of, I just kind of do this sort of the bashful look. Like, like, thanks. Thanks, I guess, you know. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, I guess. I guess sort of Mm -hmm, is my mm -hmm. out. Um, I essentially demand praise every single day from my partner. So that's, that's the life he's chosen to live. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, keep the dream of the commune in mind. We gave you yeah, all the beautiful imagery of that today. Hopefully let that be hopeful to you. Let that kind of piss you off a little bit that we don't have it, you know, and let that drive you forward. Let the French inspire you. Yeah. We sh- we should have garbage piling up in our own cities as we work toward our own uh, liberation. Because remember, I'm a freedom guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Talk to you next week. All right. Adios. Bye.
Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.